But I want to share a thought with you today called living by design. When you see that, does that make you smile? Somebody smiles at you, do you smile back? Right. Man, I totally prejudged a guy this morning or this week. This dude was at the store and he walked in with his daughter and just big rough looking guy. I thought, man, he's pretty scary looking. Like, I don't know that I'd even want to approach him or have a conversation. Well, he starts talking to a woman there, just this great big smile and this big personality. And I thought, man, I was horribly wrong. Like, just another lesson in life here. You got to right, get to know the person before you try to judge a person or think uh, you know a person. And so anyway, when I saw his smile, it just made me smile. I, there's just a gladness that comes along with that. So we're going to talk about that a little bit today. Kind of a few hard issues dealing with peace and joy and contentment. And we'll be in uh, the book of Ecclesiastes, if you'd like to turn there, chapter 5. We're going to find a guy named Solomon. And uh, he's given us some great words of wisdom here, some things we're going to work with as we progress through the, the whole chapter. Um, so you can turn there and we'll be there momentarily. All right, but... Before we get into that, though, let's talk about some things that are designed. When you think of stuff that's designed, like, can you, what's something in this room that has been designed? All right, so the building, right? So there was a blueprint, and somebody laid it out and brought in the right materials, and they built a building, okay? Anything else you see or that's designed? Okay, so yeah, this table up here that's got the orphan plates on it, Somebody had a, an idea in mind, right? They designed it, so it's not just random wood thrown together. What else? The pews are the same way. You're right. Thankfully, right? Otherwise, we'd probably be sitting on the ground. So somebody took some care to make sure things were looked after there. Anything else you see designed in the room? So the arrangement of the room has been designed. Okay, yeah, I heard we are designed is in the image of the Creator. We've been fashioned. Speaking of fashion, is there any other design in the room? Clothes, so all the clothes we're wearing, right? Some designer figured he or she would put this out that somebody might buy it and it would look good or that people would enjoy wearing it, right? So all sorts of things are designed. I mean, architecture, landscaping is designed. Everything in this room has been designed from the footing all the way up to the peak of this roof, right? There's a purpose in everything. So just briefly to illustrate this, I want to talk about a house for a minute and trying to build a house. And Miss Sandy said it, you know, this room has been, or this building has been constructed, designed in such a way that it would withstand weather and storms and things of that nature. So if we were going to go build a house, we'd probably get a blueprint first, don't you think? Some of you have done that before. You've added on to your house, so you know this better than I do. But, but then you'd start putting together your supply list. And what if we looked at the supply list and said, you know what, that stuff costs too much money. So instead of wood, we're going to use styrofoam. It is an alternative. Instead of screws and nails, we're going to use like push pins. You know, like we use out there on the bulletin board. And instead of decking and shingles, we're going to use yarn. Now, could we construct a house that way? We could, right? I mean, you could probably build a house out of styrofoam and push pins and yarn. Would you want to live in that home? No, right? None of us would want to live in that home because we know as soon as a storm would come, wind would come, even a hot day or a cold day, there'd be no protection there, right? So the design was right. The blueprint was right on. When we didn't follow the design, we kind of found ourselves wrecked a little bit, right? Like, this is just not going to work for us. And... 
Jesus taught this same principle when he talked about building your house on the rock rather than the sand. You remember that story? Right? And he talked about make sure your foundation is solid, built on the rock, because when the storms of life come and they'll be strong, that house will stand. But when you build on the sand, when the storms of life come, there will be destruction. Right? And he said, and that destruction is great. So the design is right. Build the house. The foundation in that text is what was key. Well, here we're going to talk about the design for our lives today. And what does it look like to live within the pattern of God's plan? Right? We're in a culture today, and it's been this way probably since the beginning, where there's been a, a struggle to accept what God has said. And you've probably proven that with your own life. I guess we could summarize sin that way, right? I don't accept that I am supposed to live this way, so I'm going to do something I want to do, and then I end up sinning. Uh, but particularly in our studies this morning, we were talking about marriage and gender. And how there's just a real struggle here that's maybe uh, more popularized right now with our acceptance of our design. And so we're going to go a little bit broader here as it relates to all of life, uh, trying to find some real clues, some keys to live this life a way that the designer has intended. So Ecclesiastes 5, if you want to turn there. If you don't have a Bible, you can follow along on the wall. Um, but we will, we'll work our way through this, through this chapter. 20 verses. And you'll find here initially through the first 17 verses, there's quite a bit of negative. But when you get to the last three, he'll turn this around and give us some, some good insight. All right, so let's, uh, let's, let's jump in here. This is Solomon trying to give us some good wisdom about how to follow the design, master designer's plan. Guard your steps when you go to the house of God. Go near to listen rather than to offer the sacrifice of fools who do not know that they do wrong. And do not be quick with your mouth. Do not be hasty in your heart to utter anything before God. God's in heaven, you're on earth. So let your words be few. A dream comes when there are many cares and many words mark the speech of a fool. When you make a vow to God, do not delay to fulfill it, for he has no pleasure in fools. So fulfill your vow. It's better even not to make a vow than to make one and not fulfill it. And don't let your mouth lead you into sin. And do not protest to the temple messenger, My vow was a mistake. Why should God be angry at what you say and destroy the work of your hands? Much dreaming and many words are meaningless. Therefore, fear God. And if you see the poor oppressed in a district and justice and rights denied, do not be surprised at such things. For one official is eyed by a higher one, and over them both are others higher still. The increase from the land is taken by all, the king himself profits from the fields. And whoever loves money never has enough. Whoever loves wealth is never satisfied with their income. So this too is meaningless. And Solomon's just saying, I've looked around and observed some things. And this is what I've observed. Verse 11, as goods increase, so do those who consume them. And what benefit are they to the owners except to feast their eyes on them? The sleep of a laborer is sweet, whether they eat little or much. But as for the rich, their abundance permits them no sleep. I've seen a grievous evil under the sun, and that is wealth hoarded to the harm of its owners, or wealth lost through some misfortune, so that when they have children, there's nothing left for them to inherit. Everyone comes naked from their mother's womb, and as everyone comes, so they depart. They take nothing from their toil that they can carry in their hands, right? Kind of like what we talked about earlier. Take the check or the Harley, but it's of no use, or your Bible. This too is a grievous evil. As everyone comes, so they depart. And what do they gain since they toil for the wind? 
All their days they eat in darkness with great frustration, affliction, and anger. But this is what I observe to be good. And that is appropriate for a person to eat, to drink, and to find satisfaction in their toilsome labor under the sun during the few days of life that God's given them, for this is their lot. Moreover, when God gives someone wealth and possessions, and he gives them the ability to enjoy them and to accept their lot and be happy in their toil, this also, this is a gift of God. And they seldom reflect on the days of their life because God keeps them occupied with gladness of heart. All right, and we're going to briefly run through those first 17 verses, just highlighting some of the things mentioned there, but primarily we're going to spend our time in verses 18, 19, and 20 trying to think about living by design. So a few things that we'll note as we progress, and as always, if you want to follow along, you can write those on your bulletin there if you so choose. All right, so number one is this. It's God's design for you and I to find enjoyment in our work. All right, so Solomon initially here, he's going to say he's observed many things that are not good. Right, we went through several things here that he listed that aren't good, and so here's some of those things. Outside of God's design, he says improper worship, not good. Or irreverent worship, not good. He says, come to the house of the Lord to listen. Don't come to bring something that you don't know anything about. Right? So if you're bringing an act of worship, if you're bringing something, an offering, know why you're bringing it. If you're singing a song, know who you're singing it to. Right? Make sure that it's connected to your heart. Don't just flow with the ceremony or the ritual or the tradition or the service. And so he says, that's kind of foolish. He says, making a vow and then not keeping that vow is pointless. Right? It's better to not even make the vow, he said, than it is to make a vow and not keep it. Uh, he talked about the denial of justice and the denial of rights, and that's not good. And yet it is something that we should not be surprised by. Uh, taking from others. Remember there, we've read about the king. The king doesn't do anything, and yet he takes from all the people. Right? And how those hires still take yet more. So he says, listen, this isn't good either. Pursuing wealth is meaningless was one of the things that he listed. Having so much that you're restless seems meaningless, right? Uh, and he, there's, there's several other things there that he lists, but those are kind of the highlights of those first 17 verses that as he's observed the planet, watched how people live and do life, he's observed that they're just pursuing vanity or things that are pointless or worthless or meaningless. And so in essence, we could say today they're living outside of God's design. They're a chasing after the wind just like he said, and so here's some good ways to live, and one of those is to enjoy your work. So let's read it, verse 18. This is what I've observed to be good, okay? This is what fits in the design of God, that it's appropriate for a person to eat and to drink and to find satisfaction in their toilsome labor under the sun during the few days of life God's given them, for this is their lot, okay? So let me ask you a question here. Do you enjoy your work? You don't have to answer that to me. Your work may look different today than it did a year ago, five, ten, however many years ago. Right? But do you enjoy what life looks like for you today? Right? Or are we kind of stiff-necked about our life? Do we begrudge our life? Are we upset that life hasn't turned out the way that we planned or the way maybe we feel that we deserve? Okay? What's good here, he says, is learn to enjoy your work. Learn to find satisfaction, uh, enjoyment from doing your job. Now, there's always things at work that make it feel like work, right? And you guys know that far better than I do. There are things about your job that you go in and you just do it because you're required to do so. You may not be passionate about it. It may not give you great 
fuel or energy, but you do it because it's required. It's my job. All right? But even in doing that, we're seeing here this word toilsome, labor, uh, points to the fact that even in things that are not enjoyable, as my duty or responsibility, I can still have joy of heart as I do those things. And when I was the age of some of these students here, I thought life would be great if I never had to work. Anybody else feel that way? You might feel that way right now. If I, if all I, if I could sleep in and eat, kind of do what I want to do, go where I want to go, and hang out with my friends, that's life. I mean, it couldn't get any better than that. And as I've matured, thankfully, since that point, I've learned that would be a miserable life. You know, people who don't work at all um, are people who are chasing after the wind. They're trying to find things to fulfill them or to bring them some joy. And even for me, maybe you're this way as well, I like to vacate, just not very long. And so I can go away for a week or so, but I'm ready to get back to what? I'm ready to get back to work because there's value there. I feel joy and satisfaction when I'm doing something rather than just doing nothing. And part of that, well, much in part, that is the design. You and I have been built to be workers, right? Think from the very beginning. When God designed Adam, what was the first thing he gave Adam to do? You got a job, Adam. Let's go and look around and name all these animals, right? Figure out what's going on here. And he's going to give you some other things about work in the land and some responsibility there to Eve as well. Okay, so he was built to work. So just to sit in a hammock in the garden and feel the breeze and eat an apple would have been misery because that's not what he was designed to do. This is one of the reasons this is just penology. I think we'll work in heaven. It's what it was like in the garden. You know, some people think heaven's an eternal church service. Who knows, right? Not been there. I just, I don't think so. I think it'll be some working. It'll just be without the toil and without the labor, right? Even when sin entered the world, God didn't take away the enjoyment of work Right? He just said it's going to be a lot harder now. There's going to be labor involved. It's going to be toilsome. There's going to be the sweat of your brow. It's going to require something more of you, but the goal is still the same, work. And in so doing, when you work hard, you find that there's great value there. Um, and that's something we need to model with our life, and that's something we need to share with our mouth as well. Right? There are those around us who say, I'd rather not work and just get and hand it. And you want to help people when they're down? No doubt. But the best help we can offer someone is to help them f get work and find that personal kind of joy and satisfaction of doing something that they've been created to do with their hands. This is what I've observed to be good. Enjoy your work. So whatever it looks like. Don't clock in begrudging, I hate my job. I hate the people that I work with. No, the Bible says work is unto the Lord. So regardless of what you're doing, when you and I do that with a heart that says, God, this is my best for your glory, then I can find joy there. I can find personal satisfaction there because I'm not doing it for any person. Rather, I'm doing that for the Lord. And so living by design means you've got to work. But living by design also means that we get to work. And so find enjoyment in your work. Do what you do is unto the Lord. All right, living by design is also about understanding God's design for us is to be content with what we have. Right? Content with what we have. The things that you and I possess, whether that's internally or maybe with our hands, to be content with what we have. And we've listed already some things that Solomon said were just pointless. It's like a chasing after the wind. So pursuing wealth, pointless. If that's my end goal is just to have more money. 
working my way up a ladder, pointless if my end goal is just to get to the top. What do you do when you get to the top? How many people have to walk this planet having everything this world has to offer and then taking their life to show us that getting to the top and achieving everything this world can call success still leaves you empty? Right? I mean, he was having a conversation this morning just about this very thing. Learning to be content with what we have rather than chasing after stuff. Have you ever been in the middle of this? I just need a little more. I just need a little more. If I had a little bit more, then I could pay off this bill and we'd be okay. If I had a little bit bigger house, then we could spread out a little bit and be a little bit night, a little bit bigger yard. Then I could have a garden and go on. And then I could have a fence and a dog. And then I'd probably get a four-wheeler that I could ride, which would take more gas and just take more time to mow. And just like Solomon said, the more you have, the more cares you have. Right? It's so true. We, and we want more and more, and it's like the more, then it takes more to maintain, and it takes more time to either work on it or to work with it, whatever the case may be. It just, it requires a whole lot more when I have more stuff, and yet, why is my heart drawn to more? It's probably because I'm not content. I'm chasing after the wind, looking for something to settle or satisfy or to bring joy to my heart that is outside of, that's outside of God. So nothing wrong with having stuff. Nothing wrong, don't misunderstand me, with bettering yourself, working your way up. Nothing wrong with that at all if our end goal is still yet to be bringing glory to God. Is that the main purpose that I'm striving to give my best? Am I trying to be God-honoring? Or am I just trying to get something out of this personally? And So if it's my mission to make it personal, then I may be outside of the design. Uh, and maybe you've never lived that road. I've walked that road enough to know that it leaves me unsatisfied. You guys remember flip phones? I mean, the first phone I had had an antenna on it about that long. It had a pouch and you wore it on your hip. It's crazy big, right? And then they got a little bit smart. Well, then they got, had these little flip phones. Remember those? And everybody wanted a flip phone. A little Motorola StarTech or Star Trek or Star something. And that was the cool thing, right? That's what everybody wanted. Well, then that went out. And the next thing was like a phone that had some color to it. Oh, that's cool. And then a phone that had like a keyboard with it. Oh, that's kind of cool too. And so now I've got like this little keyboard that I can't type on whatsoever you know, on this tiny screen. And then it got to where it, that was gone and now I can text on It's just a piece of glass. You know, and it just keeps progressing and progressing. Well, the more you chase that, like the more I started to see those phones in my girl's toy box, the less satisfied I got with that stuff. You know what I'm saying? Like there was a point where you're like, oh man, I, that's better. And you try to justify why you need that. Well now it's like, I don't care. I could care less. Like because it doesn't bring joy. Right? So maybe for you it's not technology. But whatever it is that is your bent, you know when you start to chase that, if it's outside of the design, you're just going to keep craving it. It's feeding a never-ending cycle of craving. And we just keep chasing and chasing and chasing. And so here Solomon says, here's what I've learned is good. Not only enjoy your work, but learn to be content with what you have. And so this is verse 19. Moreover, all right, verse 18 was, this is what I've seen to be good. Moreover, when God gives someone wealth and possessions, and when God gives them the ability to enjoy them and to accept their lot and be happy in their toil, remember, this is a gift of God. Right? This is what it's about. He's just desired for whatever reason to bestow this blessing. 
And so what this implies is that God blesses in different ways. And we know this to be true. There are people who walk this planet right now making $2 a day. Could you live on $2 a day? Some people are. And we may not want to. And I don't know that we could in this country. But on this globe, there are people, and that's what they work for, $2 a day. Some people make $2 a second. Which camp do you want to be in? Just being honest, right? What's $2 a second? I, I can't even do that math right now. That's a lot of money. And there are people who make a lot of money. You know, there are people who make six and seven figures to play a game for 60 minutes. Night in and night out, right? Nothing wrong. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. I'm just saying that's a lot of money to make versus making $2 when you work all day. And so here we see one is to be pleased with $2 a second and one is to be pleased with $2 a day. And here again, we're not saying that we can't work to improve our life. But if the goal is I got to get from $2 a day to $2 a second so then I'm living, then I'll have joy, then I can have everything that I want, live the life I want, we're, we're chasing the wind. We're not content. And it's going to lead us down a road that's ultimate destruction. And so Paul said some things to help emphasize this kind of way of thinking. And what he says is, you know the verse well, I've learned to be content with what I have, right? I mean, we know the verse that says, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. And we apply that really broad. But in the context where Paul's speaking, he's saying, I can have a little or I can have a lot. It doesn't matter. Regardless of what I have, I've learned that Jesus is the source of my joy. He's the source of my contentment. So whether I have food or I'm hungry, whether I'm being sunburnt or shaded by a tent, you know, whether I'm being loved by Christians or persecuted by non-believers, regardless of where I find myself in life, I've learned the secret of contentment. And that's to be hidden in Christ. That is to be his follower and to find him as my highest good, my chief joy. He's the end goal or pursuit of my life. And Paul's also going to give us some advice about learning how to be content. And we talked about this last week in lesson number nine, Red Sea Rule number nine as well. Rob Morgan reminded us that we've been blessed in millions of ways. Right? Not just 10,000 reasons like the song we sing. We've been blessed in millions and millions and millions of ways. And when I learn and when I stop to take time to be thankful for my life and what I'm currently going through, it helps breed a contentment in me that maybe didn't previously exist. And so thankfulness is key to finding ourselves to be content with what we have. And so the more I get focused on the giver of the blessing, the source of the blessing, the more I look at what I have to be thankful for, the more I'll be content and I'll stop chasing what my neighbor has or I'll stop chasing what the commercial says I need or I'll stop chasing the latest, greatest whatever because I'm content with what I have. Learn to enjoy your work. Don't see it as drudgery. Thank God that you have a job. Thank God you have a mind and a body that lets you work. Whatever that work is, if it's schoolwork, if it's working around your home, you know, if it's working with your family, if it's working somewhere out in this world, whatever your job looks like today, thank God that you have the ability to work, a mind that lets you do so. Enjoy your work. All right, and here then third, we're going to talk about living with a peace that looks beyond today. And so it's God's design for you and I to live with peace as, as we look beyond today. And just observing people, kind of like Solomon was doing when he wrote this. How often do you and I share the word? Or how often do you hear somebody say to you that 
they hate their job, or they just their life stinks right now, or this is just too hard, or they don't want to do this anymore. How often do we feel or talk or have conversations where it's like, oh, I've got to get that. Man, I can't, I've just got to have that. And we've got Christians walking around lacking joy. We've got Christians just like me walking around lacking contentment. And here sometimes we've got Christians walking around just lacking peace. And so Solomon gives us the advice to say, listen, to get real peace comes in Christ first. But to get peace in your current situation, you've got to look beyond it to what awaits you. Now he talks about having a lot or having a little. And there's misery to the poor. And there's also misery for the wealthy. Because as we mentioned earlier, we tend to live at the level of what we have. Don't we? Maybe most people. You know, if you make this amount of money, then maybe you have a $20,000 house. But if you make this amount of money, then maybe you've got a $200,000 house. Right? Because we live at the level of our, of our income. And the more that I have, then the more that I get. And the more that I get, then the more cares I have. And just what he said, man, I get restless. Lots to care for. There's much to be said, and Solomon says it in Ecclesiastes as well, about living the simple life. Proverbs 30 talks also about how I would rather not have too much, God, don't give me too much, because if you give me too much, then I might deny you. I might disown you. This is Proverbs 30, 7, 8, 9, somewhere in that area. Then he says, don't give me too little, because I might go steal something and then dishonor you. Right? Too much disown, too little dishonor. What's he say? He says, just give me enough for this day. Give me what I need for today. Right? And so there's misery in both. Misery to being poor and the misery or being in poverty or misery to wealth. But here Solomon says there's also a peace that can be found in the midst of all that. And here it is in verse 20. These are people who have found Joy in their work for as long as God gives them work. All right? These are people who have learned to be content with everything that they have. It says these are the people then that seldom reflect on the days of their life because God keeps them occupied with gladness of heart. And we can all talk about woe is me. Right? We've all had struggles and rough days just like these people have as well. But he's saying these people don't focus on their past. They don't think about how much life stinks now. All right? The good old days. All right? You know as well as I do, the good old days weren't that great. All right? The good old days are yet to happen. That's what's ahead of us. And so here the idea is when my heart is focused on the Lord, the gladness that I get from thinking beyond today will give me a peace that helps me navigate any situation that I find myself in here. Struggle, trial, heartbroken, whatever the situation is, I can navigate that with peace because my eyes are fixed beyond this moment. And so I wonder, do you have that kind of settled peace here? And that all begins with trusting in Christ, right? He's the author of peace. Isaiah wrote and said he would be the prince of peace. And so when you trust in Christ as your Savior, what you begin to receive is peace. And it's a peace that is sustaining. It's a peace that uh, the New Testament says is, it's unspeakable. It's indescribable. I just can't help you. I can't give it to you, but when you have it, you know it. 
Because your life may be rough. You may be struggling big time. And yet there's a settledness within you that you know God's with me. This is going to be okay. I can enjoy my work. I can be content with what I have. And I can find peace even in the worst situation because I know that this is temporary. Have you had a conversation recently or maybe in your life where you were just longing for heaven? You ever had that? I can remember thinking... I don't want to die yet. And I'm not saying I'm chasing death. But as I think about life here and I think about life there, why wouldn't I want to be there? I mean, if it's so much better, Paul says I can't even describe it. It's not even worth comparing my momentary afflictions to the greatness that God has in store for me. Why wouldn't I want to run there and live today in light of what's there? And we had a conversation this week in our Bible study talking about how it had been a 10-year anniversary since someone had had a stroke and talked about how, what their life had been like for 10 years and what he said was, but just think, that's 10 years that I've missed out on heaven. I thought, man, that's a great perspective. Like, that's how we should live. In light of that, today just doesn't mean a whole lot. And don't misunderstand me. We can value one another. We love one another. We make the most of this day. But we make the most of it in light of what is yet to come. And so what gives me peace? Certainly not my situation. Certainly not what people think of me. Right? That's all changing. What gives me peace is that I'm settled with Christ and what is awaiting me beyond. And so for those who trust in Christ as their Savior, there's a peace that will, it will just basically blow your mind. Like, why am I not stressed? Why am I not anxious? Why am I not worried? Why am I not scared? It's because there's a peace that God has settled deep within you and His Son through His Spirit that's guiding you through whatever it is that you're dealing with. And so God has always had a design in mind. We can choose to build our life with styrofoam and push pins and yarn. God will let us do that. But what we've got to know is that that's going to lead to a place that's outside of the design. And so for me, what I need to keep learning and what I'm trying to share with you today are these are the attitudes that we want to continue to see God develop in us. An attitude of joy. Always joy. Doesn't mean that you love what you're going through. Wasn't it Paul who wrote to the Thessalonian believers, rejoice always? Right? Those two words, that short little verse, rejoice always. Didn't he also say to be thankful, give thanks in how much? in everything or in all things, right? So cultivating this, this attitude of joy and contentment with what I have, following the Lord, letting that be rooted deep within me, grants me a peace that just goes beyond uh, any touch that my situation may have over my life. And so what I wonder today, are you seeing these fruits developed in your life? Are you living by this design? Are you enjoying your work today? Are you enjoying the Lord today? Are you content with what you have? Are you chasing after the wind? And do you have a peace even in the midst of maybe what you're currently going through? Right? They seldom reflect on the days of their life because God keeps them occupied with gladness of heart. So it's not life stinks, it's God is good. What awaits me is amazing. And we work through all of His blessings and the end result is my, my fear fades, my worry fades, my stress fades, my God's magnified, 
and peace settles in and takes home. And so I just wonder, do you have these things growing in you today? Here this morning, I'd just like to pray with you if that's the case. If you've got some work that you see that you're asking God to do in your life, then we'd like to do that uh, here this morning. Just take time to pray together. And so here in just a minute, I'll ask you to bow your heads and if you'd like to pray with me, just look at me and we'll pray together. But just heart to heart here, do you find these to be living realities for you right now? Are you enjoying the stage of life you're in? The season? The job or jobless situation that you're in? The shiftiness of life? You may have thought, man, I never thought I'd be here. Okay, can you enjoy where you are? Enjoying our work. Are you content with what you have? Or are we chasing? Man, I've got to get more. If I get a little bit more, you know that's a never-ending cycle, right? And is there a peace that just kind of is settled within you? My God's with me. I know what awaits me. And though this is hard, you know, it's going to be okay. I'm okay. 